Forward in Chapter One of Through Glacier Park Seeing America First with Howard Eaton by Mary Roberts Reinhardt. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Through Glacier Park Seeing America First with Howard Eaton by Mary Roberts Reinhardt. Forward there are many to whom new places are only new pictures but after much wandering this thing i have learned and i wish i had learned it sooner that travel is a matter not only of seeing but of doing it is much more than that it is a matter of new human contacts it is not of places but of people what are regions but the setting for life the desert without its arabs is but the place that god forgot to travel then is to do not only to see. To travel best is to be of the sportsman of the road. To take a chance and win. To feel the glow of muscles too long unused. To sleep on the ground at night and find it soft. To eat, not because it is time to eat, but because one's body is clamoring for food. To drink where every stream and river is pure and cold. To get close to the earth and see the stars. This is travel. CHAPTER One: THE ADVENTURERS This is about a three-hundred-mile trip across the Rocky Mountains on horseback with Howard Eaton. It is about fishing and cool nights around a campfire, and long days on the trail. It is about a party of all sorts, from everywhere, of men and women, old and young, experienced folk and novices, who had yielded to a desire to belong to the sportsmen of the road. And it is by way of being advice also. Your true convert must always preach. If you are normal and philosophical, if you love your country, if you like bacon or will eat it anyhow, if you are willing to learn how little you count in the eternal scheme of things, if you are prepared for the first day or two to be able to locate every muscle in your body and a few extra ones that seem to have crept in and are crowding, go ride in the Rocky Mountains and save your soul. If you are of the sort that must have fresh cream in its coffee, and its steak rare, and puts its hair up in curlers at night, and likes to talk gossip in great empty places, don't go. Don't read this. Sit in a moving picture theater and do your traveling. But if you go, it will not matter that you have never ridden before. The horses are safe and quiet. The western saddle is designed to keep a cowpuncher in his seat when his rope is around an infuriated steer fall off for the first day or two dear traveler you will have to be extracted after that you will learn that swing of the right leg which clears the saddle the slicker a camera night clothing soap towel toothbrush blanket sweater fishing rod fly hook comb extra boots and sunburn lotion and enables you to alight in a vertical position and without jarring your spine up into your skull now and then the United States government does a very wicked thing. Its treatment of the Indians, for instance, and especially of the Blackfeet in Montana. But that's another story. The point is that to offset these lapses there are occasional government idealisms. Our national parks are the expression of such an ideal. I object to the word park, especially in connection with a particular national reserve in northwestern Montana known as Glacier Park. A park is a civilized spot, connected in all our minds with neat paths and clipped lawns. 
I am just old enough to remember when it meant keep off the grass signs also, and my childhood memories of the only park I knew are inseparably connected with the one-armed policeman with a cane and an exaggerated sense of duty. There are no keep off the grass signs in Glacier Park, no graveled paths and clipped lawns. It is the wildest part of America. If the government had not preserved it, it would have preserved itself. No homesteader would ever have invaded its rugged magnificence or dared its winter snows. But you and I would not have seen it. True, so far most niggardly provision has been made. The government offices are a two-roomed wooden cabin. The national warehouse is a barn. To keep it up, to build trails and roads, to give fire protection for its 1,400 square miles of great forest, with many millions of dollars' worth of timber, are provided thirteen rangers. Thirteen rangers, and an annual allowance less than half of what is given to Yellowstone Park. With this difference, too, that Yellowstone Park has had money spent on it for thirty-two years, while Glacier Park is in the making. It is one of the merry little jests we put over now and then. For seventy-five miles in the north of the park there is no ranger. Government property, you see, and no protection. But no niggardliness on the part of the government can cloud the ideal which is the raison d'etre for Glacier Park. Here is the last stand of the Rocky Mountain sheep, the Rocky Mountain goat. Here are antelope and deer, black and grizzly bears, mountain lions, trout. Well, we are coming to the trout. Here are trails that follow the old game trails along the mountainside. Here are meadows of June roses, true forget-me-nots, larkspur, Indian paintbrush, fireweed, that first plant to grow after forest fires, a thousand sorts of flowers growing beside snowfields. Here are ice and blazing sun, vile roads, and trails of a beauty to make you gasp. A congressional committee went out to Glacier Park in 1914, and three of their machines went into the ditch. They went home and voted a little money for roads after that, out of gratitude for their lives. But they will have to vote more money, much more money, for roads. A government mountain reserve without plenty of roads is as valuable as an automobile without gasoline. Nevertheless, bad roads, or good, or none, thirteen rangers, or a thousand, seen from an automobile or from a horse glacier park is a good place to visit howard eaton thinks so last july with all of the west to draw from he took his first party through glacier this year in june with his outfit on a pack horse he is going to investigate some new trails and in july he will take a party of riders over them forty-two people set out with howard eaton last summer to ride through glacier park they were of every age, weight, and temperament. About half were women. But one thing they had in common, the philosophy of true adventure. Howard Eaton is extremely young. He was born quite a number of years ago. But what is that? He is a boy, and he takes an annual frolic. And because it means a cracking good time, he takes people with him, and puts horses under them, and the fear of God in their hearts and bacon, and many other things, including beans, in their stomachs. He has taken foreign princes, and many of the great people of the earth, to the tops of high mountains, and shown them grizzly bears, and their own insignificance, at one and the same time. He is a hunter, a sportsman, and a splendid gentleman, and because equipment is always a matter of much solicitude on the part of the novice, 
I shall tell you what he wears when on his big horse he leads his long line of riders over the trails. He wears a pair of serviceable trousers, a blue shirt, and a vest. Worn by Howard Eaton, believe me, they are real clothes. He has hunted along the Rockies from Alaska to Mexico. He probably knows Montana, Wyoming, and Idaho as well as any man in the country. When Howard Eaton first went west, he located in the Badlands. Those were the buffalo days, and it was then that he began taking his friends with him on hunting trips. At first they went as his guests. Even now they are his guests in the truest sense of the word. By their own insistence, as the parties grew larger, they determined to help defray the cost of the expeditions. Everyone who knows Howard Eaton knows that his trips are not made for profit. Probably they barely pay for themselves. It is impossible to talk to him about money. Save as a medium of exchange, it does not exist for him. Life for him is twenty-four hours in the open air, half of that time in the saddle, long vistas, the trail of game, the campfire at night, and a few hours of quiet sleep under the stars. Roosevelt's ranch was near the Eaton Ranch when it was in the Badlands. Roosevelt and Howard Eaton had taken many hunting trips together. Titled foreigners of all sorts have come over and hunted elk, deer, and other game with him. He has supplied museums, parks, and animal shows in every part of America with game. He was and is a crack shot, of course. He says he always treated the Indians with respect. I always was a little shy when Indians were in the same country with me, and once when hunting I retired so fast that the boys said I beat my shadow six miles in fifteen minutes. In those days, the town of Sentinel Butte consisted of a canvas saloon with the sign, Reverend C. A. Duffy, Best Wines, Liquors, and Cigars. I had a fine chance to steal that sign once, says Howard Eaton, but some folks are fools and I overlooked a bet. The Eaton boys, for there are three, left Pittsburgh and went west many years ago. Howard was the first. He went in 1879. In 1884, Theodore Roosevelt went out to the same country. It was in 1904 when the Eatons left the Badlands and went toward the Big Horn Mountain. There, at the foot of Wolf Creek and in the center of the historic battleground of the Arapahoes, Sioux, Crows, and Cheyennes, they established a new ranch at Wolf, Wyoming. End of Forward and Chapter 1